0: everyone welcome back to this week's episode of the rodcast happy thursday to you hope you're looking forward to the weekend rodman what are your weekend plans
1: oh i don't know i I, you know since it's just thursday i haven't thought that far ahead what am i gonna do this weekend well valentine's day was this week so hopefully i get to celebrate some valentine's festivities over the weekend, you yes. know, coming up. What about you, Emily?
0: Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of plans. I got a busy week, so I'm kind of just looking forward to relaxing this week. Okay, I love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't. I totally did a lot of relaxing this weekend. Well, we at uh, last weekend we had a great jazz gig, but. On top of that, like, Sunday before the Super Bowl, that Pokemon Legends Arceus came out? Uh, have yes. Have you heard about
0: it? Yes, I have heard about it. Have you played it? Ooh, it's good. It's good? It's really good. So it's my, awesome. I found that there is... I can't remember what store it is, but they were having, like, a sale where it was buy two, get one free for Switch games.
1: Uh, wow. And
0: so I was like, man, which three Switch games do I want to buy? Yeah. And off of their list, there weren't that many that I was interested in. It, it, so it was only certain I, I was thinking about getting... And a couple of ridiculous. other Pokemon yeah. games as well. Yeah, if,
1: so. I, if you've never played a Pokemon game, this would be the one I suggest. Oh, really? I've, I've
0: played Pokemon games, but it's been since Game Boy Advance that I've played a Pokemon game.
1: Uh, m- make sure you tell Griffin later today about yes. that sale. Yes, yeah, yes, he would be interested. Yeah, he'd be interested if you yep. could do that. I'll awesome, uh, we talked about music. Uh, there's this thing called music education.
0: Yes. And we're going to we're, co-
1: we're going to continue talking about that today. Yes. And by continue talking about that, I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of listening to Emily. <laughs> I'm very excited to listen to oh, Emily. Oh, good.
0: Well, this is going to be a discussion because this week we're getting into some things that are maybe a little more familiar to us. You might remember. You didn't Rodman. tell me
1: it was a discussion. I thought oh, it was going to be okay. mostly you. Well, that's okay. okay. I'll just, I'm just okay. going to ask you questions okay. as usual. Okay, fine. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Rodman's getting shy, but it's okay. He I, loves I, I to talk d- to the d- people. I just didn't want
1: to do that much work
0: today. It's okay. You know what? All your work is just going to be talking. It's
1: February Thursday. Let's go. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. So,
0: you may remember last week we talked about music education in ancient Greece. Yes. And we talked about some philosophies of education that were pretty common in ancient Greece like that music is really important for creating an orderly society because music has the power to motivate people to do good things or evil things we talked about how um, good music creates good society according to the greeks bad music creates bad society and so it should be banned and we talked about the greek music school and how music was not exactly like either private lessons or classroom instruction today. It was kind of a mix where you had one teacher who was teaching many students, but they were all kind of like apprentices because they did learn music from this person and it wasn't just lectures. But then there were also situations where sometimes someone really would have a private tutor in music. Mm. So it was kind of just all over the place and the, the concept of a public education was there but the concept of a private education was also there. And and so we talked about some of the similarities and differences with modern day education. And if you missed that episode, you can go ahead and go back to last week's. We talked about a lot of really interesting things. So today.
1: It was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today, I, where do yeah. you think we're going? Um, terminology?
0: We're going to the medieval era. Oh,
1: okay. We're right. moving yeah. forward we're in time. We're just going forward. We're yes, going we're moving forward, forward like in that. time. I like that. So
0: when you think of medieval music, what are some of the first ideas that pop into your head?
1: Oh, oh, I think. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the classic piece of historical fiction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's precisely what I. Classic historical
0: movie about the medieval era. I,
1: I don't. I don't have my coconuts in here, but. Yes. I, ha- I have some coconuts for that. Monty okay.
0: Python—that is—that that, is a classic. That is but what comes
1: to mind when I think of medieval and, music. And maybe—is is there other kind of medieval music?
0: So maybe the most accurate part of medieval music in Monty Python is actually the monks, right? So do you remember when the monks are Brace walking or through? Brace or uh, it's kind of just like in a cutscene, really. And e-a-s-u they, they're, they're, mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh, and then they hit
0: themselves in the face with the oh. plank. The plank thing is probably not <laughs> super accurate, but the idea of we're singing something sacred because they're talking about Jesus. They're singing the Pia Yesu, which is a famous piece of medieval music yeah. text, and they're singing together. And they're singing only in two parts. Those things mm-hmm. are all very medieval, kind mm-hmm. of in sound, and even the intervals that they're singing sound very mm-hmm. medieval. the uh, The actual score for the for the movie kind of kind of '70s inspired, but that part of it is a little closer to yeah. the story. I, I, I didn't think about yes. that. Did, yeah.
1: you, did you have that plan before I made up that reference? I did not, Good no. for you.
0: But I no love that movie, so oh, I yeah. know that, I know everything from that, that movie, movie, really. That movie changed my it life. It is a classic. Yeah. I made my husband watch it before I would date him because <laughs> I would not date someone that hadn't seen that movie.
1: I, I, I did the same thing with Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. With yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend. Yes,
0: it's a classic. So we get to the medieval era. A lot of what we see in medieval era music education is a continuation from what happened in the Greek time. Because when we get to the medieval era, the biggest concept that is gonna be over all education, including music education, is this idea of the liberal arts which you've probably heard before because many colleges still call themselves liberal arts colleges and universities. But the idea of the liberal arts is very, very old. We so, get,
1: like you're saying we kind of get that term around the medieval era? We actually
0: get it much earlier than that. Okay. So the first time that the words liberal arts are used together yeah. is actually in the Roman Empire. And well, obviously in Latin, liberalia studia, so the study okay. of the liberal arts. Wow. So, wow. But, but the idea of the liberal arts is actually a Greek idea. Because when we think about a liberal arts education in the modern time, especially in like the 17 or 1800s, the idea of the liberal arts is that these are all the things you need to know to be a well-rounded person mm. who's a good citizen and a okay. good member of society. And that's a, that's an absolute direct takeaway from the Greek philosophy of education, which is that in order to become someone that's intelligent enough to participate in community political life, you need to have a certain knowledge base. And that knowledge base was the subjects encompassed by the liberal arts. So nowadays our idea of the liberal arts is a bit watered down from that, but when we think about a liberal arts education at university level, it is different than like a vocational school where you learn to like do HVAC or plumbing or electricity or something like that. Or even from a professional school like law school or medical school where you're getting training to do a specific job, liberal arts is more about getting training to become a, a well-rounded person or a person who can think well. That's okay. kind of the idea of the liberal arts.
1: Great, right. I went all through college and never knew that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and and the even the name kind of gives you a hint. It makes sense. Right? Because yeah. liberal has the idea of being free, right? Okay. A, fr- a free yeah. person is someone who can participate in democracy someone who participates in democracy, according to the Greek ideal, needs to have certain level of knowledge. Yeah. Um, And that is basically the model that the medieval university used to teach their students, was we want to, you, you cannot graduate with a degree from the University of Paris, the Notre Dame Cathedral, without having this basic knowledge level that makes you an educated person. And it's no coincidence that one of the things, one of the school subjects that made you an educated person was music. So music becomes a big part of this curriculum. And actually the curriculum consists of two sort of parts of, a, of a, the classical liberal arts education. It consisted of the quadrivium and the trivium. Have you heard these words before? No. No, probably not, but you've heard yeah. what they are. So the idea was like, the quadrivium are the four most important subjects that humans need to attain like enlightenment or like the mm. ultimate level of knowledge. And those four subjects are astronomy, mathematics, geometry, and music. Okay which sounds weird to us now because we think of music as like super creative and those other three are really mathy. But
1: I also like it's interesting they separated geometry and math.
0: Exactly, because they're two different, they were two totally different disciplines. Yeah. To the Greek and medieval mind. That's cool. Is Math has more to do with like That's sort of calculations and the yeah. abstract, mm-hmm. whereas geometry more to do with the real world physical objects applications, that kind of thing. Cool. But in order to get to the point where you're ready to study the quadrivium, those four subjects, you had to master the trivium, the three introductory subjects, okay. which are grammar.
1: Yeah, I was thinking like rhetoric.
0: Mm-hmm. Grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Really? Mm-hmm. Grammar, cool. logic, and rhetoric. And if you or your child or someone you know goes to a like, classical liberal arts secondary school or elementary school, they, they may call the lower school grammar school. Because you're studying the basics. And then once you get to high school, that's when you're starting to study more advanced things. Cool. Um, So these seven subjects are like the foundation of a person's education. Got
1: you. Okay.
0: Any comments?
1: No. Well, I just Mm -hmm. remember learning about Shakespeare's life, Mm -hmm. you know, because, I mean, there's a lot of... uh, Questionness Surrounding the history of Shakespeare mm. And his age and mystery. even if Mystery mm. uh, question-ness, Mystery Questionness,
0: yes. question-ness. Uh,
1: Mystery, that's a good word <laughs> I'll use that in the future There's A lot of mystery surrounding uh, Shakespeare's origins And the origins of his work And like the two things that That we know is that There was a guy named William Sha- Shakespeare Born on Stratford-upon-Avon mm-hmm. And that there is a Guy named William Shakespeare That married Anne Hathaway Yes. That's, like, the only two pieces mm-hmm. of knowledge that, like, we have it about him. Now, we don't know anything about his life. All we have is uh, is his plays. Anywho, I was just thinking that we do know that, like, it's it's perceived that his schooling, the schooling of that age, and, you know, this is 1500s, mm-hmm. was, like, all rhetoric and Latin. Yes. Like, that's everything that he would have, like, learned mm-hmm. in lower yes, school. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Which now makes sense.
0: hmm Because, um...
1: No recess. No,
0: no (laughs) recess. Right. Right. But yeah, but yeah, that was the model for Western European University at the time. Uh, And actually, that model of liberal arts education really persisted in some form or another. I mean, you could argue it exists until this day, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until really the 19th century that a focus on natural sciences started to overshadow the idea of you need to be a totally well-rounded person, and that's why right. you go to college. The idea of doing college to get job preparation is super new. Mm. The idea that you go to college to get a degree that gets you a job, that's like—that's a, a very mm. recent idea of what a university is meant to prepare a person yeah. for. Um, and so, okay. that brings us to kind of the medieval era. Now, when we think about the medieval era, it often, we, We've heard the term the Dark Ages, right? Because it, we it thinks it seems like this sort of period between the glory of the Roman emper, Empire and the amazing vitality of the Renaissance, where people just sort of like walked around in mud all day and didn't do much, and people were stupid and thought that the Earth revolved uh, that the the planets and the sun revolved around the Earth. And There's a great pit of filth over here. Yeah, exactly. The the stereotype that's all over Monty Python and a bunch of other you know ideas of the medieval. Era, but bring out
1: your dead. Bring out your
0: dead. <laughs> exactly, and and while that's certainly the level of ignorance that like peasants had, that may not be too inaccurate. It's also an, a total overgeneralization to say that like all knowledge was lost during the yeah. Dark Ages, yeah. because. That's totally not true. Places like the The Middle Middle East, especially, Mm -hmm. were actually the most advanced centers of human learning that had ever existed in the world until that point. Mm -hmm. And even in Europe, at universities and in other places of scholarship, the knowledge of the classical era and the knowledge of the Roman Empire and the Greeks, it was not lost at all. Mm -hmm. By the time Columbus decided to go and explore the New World, People had not forgotten that the earth was round. Everyone knew that the earth was round. Mm. People, there are lots of misconceptions about that time period, and they begin with the medieval era. So, when it comes to learning in the medieval era, this is actually kind of the period where our modern conception of a university begins. If you go to England, you look at Oxford, Cambridge, those kinds of places, many universities in Europe they'll have founding dates in the 11th century 10th century maybe because this is when our idea of a university starts that people would want to gather in a place to learn together to become educated people and advance sort of the human race and in a lot of ways those universities looked very similar to the ones we have now Uh, students were typically young people who hadn't found a way in the world yet. There was not necessarily the standardization of like, you are this age and you go to college, mm. but people were typically younger. Mm. University professors, mm. the concept of tenure even mm. existed at this time, that you could have a permanent mm. position where you weren't gonna be removed. Mm. The idea that a university professor is someone who's an expert in their field and therefore mm. can teach others, this idea also is big. in. Well, I'm era.
1: thinking of the College of Winterhold where mm-hmm. like yes. it, it, was, it was a lot of different people of different ages mm-hmm. you know? exactly. but you exactly. go and it's like students mm-hmm. and teachers mm-hmm. and teachers with tenure mm-hmm. and teachers with expertise mm-hmm. and you go out into the field and fight Draganox or whatever mm-hmm. they're called, <laughs> trolls, ice trolls and stuff mm-hmm. with your professor to exercise your magic Exactly. And learn stuff like it's that.
0: It's a mix okay. of the practical and the theoretical. Yeah. And yes, if you've played Skyrim, they borrow a lot from the medieval university concept in the College of Winterhold, and yeah. even when he goes to see the Greybeards at the top of the mountain. There's a lot uh, of sort of university yeah. imagery that's at the top mm. there when your hero goes mm. to the top. If you haven't played Skyrim, it's a great game. Shameless oh, plug. Good. Good. We named our cat after a Skyrim character. Who? Stormcloak, oh, of course, the liberator of the wild. Nords. Um, wow. But anyway, so yes. Oh, wow. Okay. But let's talk about what a class would look like at a medieval university. Actually not too different from our modern lecture halls. right? Typically there would be a lecturer who's lecturing to students, mm-hmm. and the students are taking notes, studying what he says. They even had a textbook. A lot of universities used the same textbooks because there just weren't that many at that time. Nowadays, we have a million textbooks for every subject, but in the year 1200- you have to
1: buy all of them. And you have to buy all of them and they're and all, all
0: expensive. They're all expensive. <laughs> nowadays, uh, are, uh, na- yeah, nowadays textbooks are a big pain in the butt. But back in the 1200s, they still had textbooks and students still had to get them and use them. They could borrow them from a library, use them in the library. They still use textbooks. And when it comes to music, music was kind of divided into sort of two categories. One was the more theoretical side of music, which we could say music theory, and the other side is this artistic side of music, which is maybe more the practical. And students who, all students were expected to have a basic sort of competence in music. And both components of this are important, but the especially important one was actually the theoretical side. Because understanding the theory of music contributed so much to the liberal arts education, right? Okay. Understanding how music works makes you an educated person, makes you someone that, you know, is worthy of graduating from a liberal arts
1: degree. I got, I got some questions. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Like, like, just go ahead and give like a time span, or like mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. 900 to 1200?
0: Yes, okay, well actually, so when we're talking about liberal arts education, the term liberal arts, Roman Empire. We get the quadrivium and the trivium established by mm, probably around 500-ish, with plus or minus 300 years. We have no idea. The idea of a university, uh, been around since also probably around 800, 900, Okay. AD, cool. but even before that, the idea of like a more informal education that's happening in a way very similar to a university, but just not at the same mm-hmm. scale, that has existed since the Greek okay. period. And we still have universities today that are from 9, 10, 1100. I'm defining kind of the end point of this medieval era probably around the time of the Renaissance.
1: Okay, so, so my, my, my question is, I mean, I guess take a take a year however you want to answer this Mm -hmm. when someone is studying the music theory Mm -hmm. the theoretical theoretical class in music at like university or wherever Mm. where is music theory at this point
0: ah this is a great question do we have letters this is a great question we so the main medieval theory treatise is one by a man called Boethius and you've probably heard of this if you remember your music history classes from undergraduate, because his treatise is extremely important. It was used as a textbook by a lot of universities. I i can't remember exactly when he compiled this treatise. When it comes to documents older than like 900, we just don't have the stuff, yeah. right? Because- I,
1: I, I think Oedipus Rex, like the, mm-hmm. the first copy we have of Oedipus Rex is like hundreds of years. After yes it was written, yes and that's thousand. that's
0: true of many ancient mm-hmm. sources like 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 Homer's Iliad for instance yeah the majority of the fragments we have of that are from hundreds of years after he lived mm-hmm. and so when it comes to treatises Boethius is the big one the, the name that you need to remember I can't remember exactly what the name of it is but yeah. it's it's something music theory related yeah. um, and that was used as a textbook by a lot of universities for music theory so When it comes to composers, it's no coincidence that some very famous of the earliest medieval composers that we have specific names for, they're associated with universities. And the two that you probably remember are Leonin and Perotin. So these two guys are both uh, associated with France and with Paris specifically. They taught at the University of Paris, they were instructors there but they were also composers. And the, what they composed for was for the university choir. So they would compose music for the university students to sing as part of their study of the practical, applicable side of music. So, and choir was typically the main place where people would would practice music. The mm. idea of an orchestra or playing a lot of instrumental music, that's more like, you're. this is fun and you're doing it in your free time. Mm. But... Doing a school-sponsored ensemble is gonna be choir for a long time. I want to say,
1: good. Yeah, it's gonna like be for that. a long time. That's why I tell I tell all my kids they should take choir.
0: Yeah, choir is a great way yeah. to learn about music without needing to buy an expensive instrument. That's,
1: that's why it's all my kids. Like because mm-hmm. right now I have some of my fifth graders that have to choose which. Which, which, which elective do which they take mm-hmm. in sixth grade, and, and and they're they're musically active. You know, mm-hmm. they're asking me which one is going to help me musically the most, mm-hmm. and, yeah. I, and I I said choir because one big reason solfege. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. getting the concept of solfege mm-hmm. in your head. Yes,
0: uh, and being able to look at everyone's part even while you're reading your own. Yes, that's not typically what happens if you play an orchestral or band instrument.
1: Yeah, I was gonna. I mean, I was joking, but I don't. I don't know. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you play trombone in band class. This is what you do. You sit there and you talk to your friend, and then the dude goes like this, and you play your part, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you sit there. Mm-hmm.
0: That's not to say that band and orchestra no, aren't no, super helpful, uh-uh. formative musical experiences. Yeah. I, I didn't did orchestra.
1: I was cello. What mm-hmm. you?
0: I played French horn. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it for two years. And fun. then I had to quit because it was fun. band was scheduled at the same time as choir. Yeah. So I had I picked okay. choir because okay. I was more into choir. Yep. But, but yeah, so that brings us kind of to the application side of the music education experience in the medieval era. The application side, actually, people started studying that way younger. So this is another parallel to, like, today. Mm. So if you were going to go to school, if you were going to go to class and you're a 12th century dude, Just wants to learn about music. What Um, age? Um, maybe, probably anywhere from 16 to 35. Okay. Maybe even maybe younger than that, depending on how smart you are. Um, let's say let's say you're you at your current age, you're going to study you're going to study music. If you want, if you're studying music at school at university, it's probably going to be one of the first times that you're getting some formal training on music theory. Kind of like today, right? Yeah. Like unless you play an instrument where theory is really important, until you go to college, you're not gonna learn that much about a music theory, theory class. Unless a class that's titled
1: the, theory. That's gonna be the know? first
0: time you're in a theory class where someone is lecturing to you about theory and you're taking notes. You'll probably learn some informally if you're taking lessons. Mm-hmm. But formal training, mostly university. Now I'm gonna
1: plug in. Yes. Um I have we have a lot of students at the studio mm-hmm. who learn music theory with their teachers, yes. such as me and Emily. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in music theory and learning more about music theory with your instrument yes. or getting tutoring for that music theory, AP class, if you're a high schooler yes. and want to get that 5.0, mm-hmm. ooh, that looks good mm-hmm. on your transcript. Easy sure A. You get that easy A coming to us. Absolutely. Let's go. And take choir.
0: Yes. Take choir. That's, also a, side good, reading that's also a good yeah.
1: plug. Uh, yeah. But come to us. Come yeah. to us. But Learn theory. Uh, I, I know Flynn, you know, one of my favorite kids, Flynn, um, we just started diminished chords. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? and, and, and it's an he, important theory concept. It is, and, and he literally had a moment in here where he was like, this is what I've been waiting for, mm-hmm. learning how the diminished chord works." Because it mm-hmm. used to always be like, okay, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, don't, don't worry about seven, seven. Mm-hmm. we'll talk about it in two years. Yeah,
0: and, and now here we lie. are, <laughs> yeah. working on it. Exactly, and so, that's how theory often works in lessons, right? Yeah. And that was true also in the medieval era. So the university choir at the University of Paris and, and most other universities, because they modeled themselves after University of Paris, the university choir actually was not only current students. It was also younger people who wanted to get some training in music or their parents thought it was a good idea for them to go do it, or they wanted to have a better shot at getting a scholarship, they would join the choir even as like little boys. Little, very young singers. So the university choir consisted of university students, but also a lot more people that were way younger than them so that it would be a full ensemble. And so this ensemble is where some of our most famous like very early music compositions were composed, it's works by Leonin and Perotin. Yeah. Great. So awesome. let's talk about what are some similarities between the model that I've kind of described and the model that we see nowadays with the university.
1: Okay, oh okay, with the university? Yeah, yeah. so
0: like most of what I've described is actually quite similar to how we study mm-hmm. music nowadays. Right, so what are some things that stood out to you as the same?
1: Uh, as University education, mm-hmm. I, I, from my university education and everyone I know at different universities that studied music, especially in like those first two years, mm-hmm. you got theory class, ear training, mm-hmm. and then the practical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're taking yeah. lessons, you're doing stuff in class. You're doing both. It, it,
1: mm-hmm. And particularly theory in ear training. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. like everyone takes theory in ear training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then is also like intensely working on their craft mm-hmm. and hearing all the people older than you and being mm-hmm. like oh my god I suck Ugh. but
0: also being motivated because if they were me four Ugh. years ago maybe I can get there oh no <laughs> everyone sounds better than me uh.
1: I'm a poor little freshman should
0: I just quit
1: and then you're a senior and you're like
0: oh, I, worked, right. I worked
1: hard I worked hard
0: look at me I, I improved I, I, I sound good mm-hmm. I Sound good this yeah is
1: right. yeah college was hard
0: College, mm-hmm. is hard. Hard. College, music music, college is hard studying music, music college at university is hard. is hard it is very hard oh, yeah
1: like like mm-hmm. like in our first day of like freshman orientation they had like you know graduate soprano come sing in front of us mm-hmm. and we're all yes. just like
0: i can we, never we, do that because everyone
1: at music school is like one of the best kids if not the best kid mm-hmm. at their high school yeah. you know so you come in with your chest I'm ready. To
0: sing. I'm a big deal. I can do sing. this. Yeah. And and I'm then, good. And
1: then lady goes off on magic flute, mm-hmm. and you're like,
0: <sighs> Actually, I can't. <laughs> oh
1: my god, jeez. It's true. I can see. I, I, one time I sing this John Mayer song really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. happened to all of us, and I'm sure that that was often uh, the case for people that went to study music at university. Even May? in yeah. the 1200s. Yeah,
1: come on. Because we're on.
0: always motivated yeah. and somewhat discouraged by people that absolutely, are way better absolutely. than us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, definitely a common part of the human mm-hmm. experience. My, my,
1: and my life changed at college when I decided that my only enemy was myself. Mm-hmm. You know, when yes. I was like, okay, let's drop all this like comparing yourself to mm-hmm. other people. How about just, just. Your own enemy is yourself. Mm-hmm. How about that? And then my competition is to better. be better than I was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. and then everything changed. Yes, everything changed
0: yes. It was great. yeah, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Well and I haven't practiced in years.
0: <laughs> well, but I think that attitude is an important one because it, it yeah. means that once once you kind of reach that place mentally, instead of being feeling threatened by your classmates, you can feel like you're all working together. And it becomes a collaborative environment. And that collaborative environment, I think is one of the joys of doing music. And Mm. that is something that hasn't changed since the medieval time. uh -uh. Right, because people that were studying music in the 1200s, they also went to choir rehearsal and wanted to tune their notes perfectly with each other. And they were trying to work together. I like it. I love that. So with similarities, there's so many. Mm -hmm. We have a formal education system that's valuing specific subjects, even if those subjects are maybe a little different than what we now value in Mm -hmm. education. They considered music to be something you can study at a university. It's not necessarily just something that you would go to a trade school to do.
1: I mean, you said like in that quadriviums that it was like a core.
0: It is a core, it is a core. You You could not graduate from a university without being a pretty good musician with any degree of any kind.
1: Well that's, that's different. Yeah. yeah. That is that's a yeah. difference. That, I was gonna that, bring that up yeah. in differences. But the similar but the similarity
0: difference. is that you can study music yes. at a university yes. level. Yes. And also that music isn't just something that you only learn one on one. Yes. You can in have they, there were private tutors mm-hmm. for music to mm-hmm. help you get better, but it wasn't just like you only learn this and it's only passed down through like a family member mm. or a you know, master apprentice mm-hmm. kind of relationship. That kind of vibe still existed oh, but it yeah. wasn't the only way that you could study music. Gotcha. Um, and that's true now. Yeah. As well. We have formal education, but we also have informal education. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that more one on one sort of environment. Mm-hmm. We have that as well, which is I mean, that's what we do here at the studio. We offer one-on-one master apprentice kind yes, of training yes. in music.
1: As well as, you know, with our honors program, mm-hmm. group training, yes. you know, working together, yes. playing to a click.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, we're kind of like the Leonin and Periton of the uh, 21st century. We're I like it. we're creating I like the it. music that our ensemble yeah. is using to learn how to oh be my better gosh. Yeah.
1: I mean, if if you're not on this train, you know, hop on soon. Right. Crazy stuff. Get a lesson. Get a lesson. Crazy stuff happening. Learning music
0: is very rewarding, but also there's differences. I do want to point out the differences because we haven't focused on them. So we'll finish by talking about the differences between where we were a thousand years ago, where we are today. One of the biggest differences is what you're describing. The sort of value of music as an academic pursuit was way higher just generally across yeah. society in the medieval era. You could not be a well-educated, well-rounded person without being a pretty competent musician at the time. Nowadays, music is kind of more of a niche sort of thing to study.
1: You're going to You're what? studying music
0: in school? Wow, that's really interesting. You you play an instrument and that's your actual job? Wow, that's crazy. Wow, um,
1: w- w- where do you wait? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: what restaurant do you yeah. wait What's at? your other job, basically? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But back then, it was as as central to your development as as an educated person as English or math. It was in the core. And actually, at many universities, arts training was the first year of study. It was the first thing you studied before you did anything else, was study music and study the theory of music. Another thing that I think is really different between the way music was studied then and now is that music was considered overlapping with a lot of other fields of study. For instance, many math classes would use that Boethius textbook as a text for their math class. Mm. And the same was true of music. A music theory class, they would have often a math professor teach the class, or they would talk about math a lot in that class. Mm. Because the idea was that music is very intricately, 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 Wow, that word was hard for me. Intricri- intricately, <laughs> interwoven with other subjects. Math and medicine being the, the main ones. Medicine? Medicine, hmm Also because the idea of music as a healing thing. You surprised
1: me with that one.
0: Music as a healing thing, that idea had been around since the Greek time. And wow. so that, that idea didn't leave universities wow. for a long time. So wow. a lot of um, medical experts at least ones that we know mm-hmm. about today, they would talk about music frequently in their lectures. Both because of its application to like the science and also you say, because so it you can help So you could say there is, heal.
1: in medicine class, there is a pretty high frequency
0: uh-huh. of
1: bringing up music.
0: There was a relatively high <laughs> frequency of bringing up music. Uh-huh. Whereas nowadays uh-huh. we think of if, yeah. if music is gonna overlap with another discipline, we're usually gonna think about like maybe dance or yeah. theater or Another one art. of the other arts, yes. right? Instead well, of like yeah. science.
1: One way I explain theory to students once they get to a certain level of, of understanding it. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, you have to understand that theory is not about notes, it's about intervals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I explain, you know, I'll be like, hey, you know, what what math are you in you know what's the last math class you took well i took okay. algebra well i took calculus okay so you know how like every week or whatever you go in and learn a new formula mm-hmm. i'm like music is the same thing except we have one formula mm-hmm. we have whole whole half whole whole, whole half mm-hmm. and we analyze it in as many different ways mm-hmm. as possible mm-hmm. but and, and that's when it gets so fun where you've You've taught someone a series of concepts that they need to know. You've taught someone on guitar, you know, what makes a major chord. What are the intervals that make major versus minor? And then, you know,
0: dots connect
1: when they're like, oh, wait. So this is why we have a four, six, five, one, because you exactly. can explode it. And it's like, because it's all one formula. Mm-hmm. It's all just one formula exactly. that we have just moved and and retrograded in every which direction looked at it, forwards, backwards, Backwards, upside downs. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a cool one.
0: And and that's exactly how we construct music nowadays. And it's how they constructed music in the medieval time. Their concept of music theory was way different than ours, because it's been a thousand years of development, but its place in the importance of learning music was Mm. really, really high. Maybe Mm. even higher than we place it nowadays. Oh, yeah. But it's still a really fascinating thing. So. This week, we talked about the medieval era. There were a lot of things that are similar to our modern Mm -hmm. university, because the idea of a a university just broadly was established in the medieval period. And we still have a lot of takeaways from that today, even with our universities Mm -hmm. uh, literally a thousand years later. But there's also obviously things that are way different. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so. I I
1: have one last question, it's a short one. absolutely. So over there on that stand, Mm -hmm. we have a copy of the Bach Prelude. Yes. And I'm sure in college at some point and whatever, you look at it and we analyze it bar by bar as the chords Mm -hmm. and their chord relationship to each Mm -hmm. other. I was told at some point that when Bach composed that, which was 1600s. Uh, Likely 1700s. Early 1700s. 1700s. Yeah. He was
0: 1685 to 1750. Yeah, 1750.
1: So when he composed, when he was composing, that they didn't have a concept of chords yet. Is that true?
0: Um it's their concept of what a chord is is different than ours. It, yeah. Their idea of harmonic function thought. was totally different than ours. And that's why their idea mm. of chords is different than yeah. ours. So we th- when we look at this and we do a roman numeral analysis on it, that's not the way that Bach would have thought of it because he what I heard. they weren't thinking in terms of one functions this way and then it's moving to 5 mm. and then it, we're going in a, a progression that is taking taking us from one place to another place.
1: More counterpoint. More I mean, more counterpoint. Yeah.
0: More about how beautiful lines are when they move individually mm-hmm. together.
1: Horizontally instead of vertically, horizontally in rather than. But yeah. Also
0: vertically, but horizontally. Well, yeah. It's like it's like
1: the reason that we put it vertically is just it's 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 mm-hmm. easy to explain with yes, figure bass. Exactly. I mean, but
0: morals? Bach is also living. He 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 passed away in 1750. By 1750, we are really starting to think about harmonic function cool so bach is sort of like almost a transition composer yeah he's his music is baroque but by the end of his life composers are thinking about harmonic function
1: Mm. okay awesome Mm -hmm. great yeah absolutely
0: hope you enjoyed having a little bit of a history lesson with us this week join us next time we're going to talk about the renaissance
1: engage